Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus for Panther fans who want to keep pounding. The ones who want an inside look at the vault. This, 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 this is views is from Midstream. Now, here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. And away we go, ladies and gentlemen. Another rousing edition of the Views from Midstream podcast is in your ear holes starting right this very second welcome in glad to have you happy wednesday or thursday or friday or whenever it is that you were listening to this podcast available on demand for free ladies and gentlemen we work to make this happen for you for free that's how much we love you my name is rob brown host of the rob brown show which airs weekdays from nine to noon on the fan upstate in greenville south carolina and available for free on the odyssey app and joining me as he does for every single edition of the Greatest Carolina Podcast in all the nation. The great one, Lonzo Reitzel, is over on the other side of the metaphorical, and in this case, virtual glass, as we had to wait until a little bit later in the day to record the pod. Why? Because it is NFL trade line day. Ladies and gentlemen, the trade deadline has a come, the trade deadline has a gone, and the Carolina Panthers have stayed pat and made no moves, either buyers or sellers. And before we get into any details about that, Zoe, uh, any surprise from you that we were not buyers or sellers pushing up against the trade deadline? You know, admittedly, last podcast, I was a little emotional. And uh, I was trying to ship some people out. And uh, 
I still believe it should have happened. I'm not going to back down, but but it didn't. So I think uh, I'm not really surprised we didn't do anything as far as the trade deadline goes. I am surprised that the kicker uh, is still there. Uh, but other than that, no no big surprises because they maneuvered into some better draft picks with uh, the trading of Robbie Anderson and the trading of, of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, there was only one other way that they were going to get some draft picks, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that, and uh, they said no to that. So other than that, no, no surprise. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. No real surprises that were made and no real surprises brought on to us by being neither buyers nor sellers. I think we were in exactly the spot that we ultimately thought that we were going to be in. We are a team that has a hefty haul of picks, eight of them overall in the 2023 draft upcoming. Obviously, one of those picks is going to be much towards the front end of the draft. And we'll get into that here in just a moment from right now, because I do have the football power index odds of us getting a first round pick, uh, excuse me, a first overall pick as well as getting a pick inside of the first five picks of the draft. And we'll see if knowing those odds and the odds of the teams around us changes the way that some of you might want to make a push at the at the end of this season but you know listen um i think and 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 this is basically what we've been saying or what at least what i've been saying the last couple of weeks i think we've done a good job of establishing a young core i think we've done a good job of establishing a base i think we've done a good job of making sure that not only do we have young foundational talent that is on this football team but that we have young foundational talent that wants to be here, that is excited about the direction this team is going in. And, you know, that can be kind of tough in the NFL versus like college football, for instance, because the NFL is a business and you do have the opportunity to move and do so for ever increasing amounts of money year by year. But, you know, you, you, you want guys who are going to take a little bit of pride in pulling this franchise up out of the dregs. And I think we've done a relatively good job at Avengers assembling that type of foundation. So, you know, if you bring in anybody else, if you go out there with your eight draft picks uh, and act as a buyer because you've got the capital to do it, the risk you run is bringing somebody in especially somebody that is running low on years of the salary that might show up and have an interest, but then look and go, they're further away than I would have liked them to have been. You run the risk of bringing in a contract that kind of sends you into uh, a little more cap trouble. We're in a pretty good cap spot right now. You bring somebody in today on NFL draft deadline day, and you kind of lose a little bit of that chemistry on top of obviously not guaranteeing that you get somebody uh, that is going to be able to help you, right? Like there's no guarantee that whoever you bring in is going to be the right guy for the right position at the right time. On the flip side, you know, we were talking about the foundation. I talked about the base. If you're a seller, you risk that, right? If you go out there and you trade away young parts of the team for draft picks, the guys whose name were mentioned today, 
And obviously the one who got the most play was Brian Burns because apparently the Los Angeles Rams offered us at least two first round picks. I have also heard that they once again offered to package Cam Akers into a trade. I think that was frankly more about them getting rid of Cam Akers than it was trying to sell us that Akers is a valuable addition to the roster. But, you know, listen, you give up Brian Burns and get two first-round picks, there is no guarantee. There is no guarantee that the guy that you select in that case is going to be anywhere near as productive as Brian Burns. Sorry, I should say the guys with those two-round picks is anywhere near as uh, as as efficient, as good, as talented as Brian Burns, a 24-year-old on a very team-friendly contract right now. Uh, so I'm, I'm not surprised we didn't make any seller moves today, Lonzo, because I think we've gotten to where we were looking to get, which is do we have a young, core, good, foundational group of talented guys who want to be a part of the team? And I think we have seen the last couple of weeks the answer to that is yes. And I think the other thing is uh, the last couple of trades, uh, the Panthers have kind of got burned on. I mean, if you look at Sam Darnold, hasn't panned out. Look at Baker Mayfield, they haven't panned out. So I think that makes that probably makes them a little bit um, leery of trying to trade for a, a vet because we've seen what's happened the last couple of times. And you talk about the young nucleus, the other thing you don't want to do is you don't want to bring – and you mentioned the chemistry. You don't want to mess up that chemistry. That chemistry is great. But the thing you also need to do is with these draft picks that you already have, you got to make sure you keep those guys happy. And the majority of that nucleus is on defense. And how do you make them happy? You bring in some offensive guys that can keep the defense off the field. So there are a lot of things that are, are trending in the right direction. And fortunately or unfortunately, if the Panthers continue to play the way they are, they're guaranteed a pretty high draft pick. Uh, so, you know, guarantee is an interesting word. And I was going to bring this up later in the pod, but since you just hit on it, we can get to it now. I was looking earlier, ESPN's football power index, which is obviously a uh, an algorithm that they use to come up with percentages and probabilities based around the league. And, you know, just like we've talked about a lot of other things, it is certainly not anything that you should consider uh, a, a, a gospel of outcomes in professional football, but they've certainly got their experience and their formulas and their numbers down to where it's got at least some levity, some weight to it when you're discussing this. As of right now, the Carolina Panthers have the fourth highest probability in the National Football League to have a top three pick. The top three teams right now to have a top three pick are the Detroit Lions, who have a 29.1% chance of having a first top three pick. The ooh, Houston ooh, let, let, Texans. Let, let, ah, no, no, that's the second one. It's too late. You've already sold me the second one. Well, then take, take a crack then. There's one more team uh, that has a higher probability right now than us to get a top three pick. Can you tell me who the third team is? Jacksonville. It is not, actually. Really? It is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Huh. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a 15.8% chance of getting a top three pick. We have a 
0.1% chance of getting a top three pick moving into the 2023 National Football League draft. We also have, and this is where the numbers kind of start to get interesting, we have a 64.8% chance of picking inside the top five. 64.8% chance of picking inside the top five. And that number is obviously very interesting to me uh, because that is effectively where I think the cutoff is. I think the cutoff is three or four to getting a guy at the position that we have been talked about. This is the next step. This is where we want, which is at the quarterback position. I think we would likely need to be inside the top three uh, to, to, to be in a spot that we get what is a, there's no such thing obviously as a guarantee, but one of the better guys out there because there is a drop off from, in my opinion, young Stroud and hooker down to Will Levis and Tanner McKee out of Stanford. You're rolling the dice on any of them, but it feels like there's a drop off in how good of dice you're getting to roll bouncing down the four or five. So the question there is, if we didn't make any moves to change anything up, how do you attack this? Like, are we, are, do you embrace the tank at this point or do you roll out there and try to win as many as you can, recognizing that the Texans are that bad, recognizing that the Lions are maybe worse and recognizing that even Pittsburgh has an opportunity to snag that spot from us. When you know that it is, less than likely that we can compete in the division. Have we gone back and adopted the full make a uh, full tank mentality after we just handed a game and a half lead to the Atlanta Falcons? No, because if, if Atlanta would have whooped the Panthers butts, that's different, but they didn't, they lost, uh, they beat the Panthers. They beat us in overtime. Uh, the Panthers can beat Atlanta. Without a doubt, they showed they could do that. They didn't have didn't have a really good first half. PJ struggled some. Uh, you're missing a running back and Chuba Hubbard that you're going to get back. Um, that's the thing. If the rest of the division was so much better, then you're going to tank because you're not you're not good enough to win. But in this case, what team in the South is that much better than the Panthers? I mean, you saw how New Orleans played last week, but look at who they play. They play the Raiders. Uh, there is no team that you can go, wow, there's no way that, that they can be caught. So uh, there's no way. They're going to win some games. They absolutely are, unless bad luck and uh, helmets become a problem the rest of the <laughs> life. Um, You know, listen. There is this, there, there's, there's the levity of the situation that is. You're right. The division is atrociously bad right now, right? Like atrociously bad. And it would appear that whoever wins this division, whether it be Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina, or Tampa, is likely a first-round exit in the playoffs, right? Like we're, we're just, whoever wins this division, the representative of the NFC South, is going to be a massive underdog uh, against the two seed overall in the NFC playoffs. There's a part of me, and I've said this how many times, of 
I'm looking to build the future, right? Like this year is irrelevant to me. Even there's even a part of me, and I don't know if I'm alone in this. And if you guys have different thoughts, do us a favor and drop us a lot on social media at the Rob Brown show and at Lonzo on word. So we can continue the conversation off of the podcast. There's a part of me that says somewhere there is a line, right? Somewhere there is a line. And that line is, do we want to go into the playoffs where we're going to open as probably a double digit underdog or do we want to be looking ahead to 2023 where we know this team is going to be better, right? Like we're already seeing this team get better and we got eight draft picks to go find the right guy or package together to go get our guy. And to me, I kind of lean in the direction of even at this point, even with the division as bad as it is, even if we can beat Atlanta, first off, it's New Orleans and Tampa Bay that I'm worried about, primarily Tampa Bay. Second off, is there a is there a feather in the cap for going to the playoffs if you're a seven-win team or an eight-win team? Is there a feather in the cap going to the playoff and getting bounced in the first round? And is that feather in the cap more valuable than finding the quarterback that we all agree is the key to taking the next step? Well, see, the problem is it's going to look pretty good starting the way that the Panthers have started out two and two and six. If they make the playoffs, I mean, that, that shows a lot about the heart of the team. It shows a, a lot about coaching. It shows a lot about everything. I'm still the guy I'd rather make the playoffs because you keep pointing out how many picks the Panthers have. I mean, you can package those together and move up. You absolutely can. And uh, even with that, let's say you win win the division with uh, seven wins. You're still going to be picking pretty high. And it wouldn't take, a whole, wouldn't take a whole lot more if you're picking, you know, six or seven in the draft to uh, say, hey, here, here's four of these picks. Let me move up three spots. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You are listening to the Views from Mint Street podcast right here on the Odyssey Network and wherever major podcasts are found on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Apple iTunes, or faux free on the Odyssey app. Rob Brown and Lonzo Reitzel here with you. Uh, we have given you basically all there is to talk about regarding the Panthers on trade deadline. We did not make any moves and rejected what would have been one of the bigger moves that would have taken place today as the LA Rams offered us a pair of first rounders and rumored to have offered us Cam Akers in return for 24-year-old Brian Burns. And and we won't spend a ton of time on that here, though, because we pretty much already addressed it. Uh, I was very, very happy 
when the news of those offers started bouncing around this morning to get home, to start getting settled in to record the pod and to not open up uh, you know, my my computer, open up my web browser to an announcement that Brian Burns had been traded, right decision to hang on to a foundational piece of the team. Two round, two first rounders can be very, very attractive to a lot of GMs. The other interesting thing is the Rams have really sold all their first rounders. Those first rounders likely would have been round first rounders around 2024, 25, which means on top of two first rounders, great. We'd have had to wait another two or three years to use them. I think this team showed by rejecting this move, Lonzo, that they are committed to getting better now. They are committed to getting better and being a good team next year, not looking at a three-year rebuild like Jacksonville, like New York. They are looking at being a good team next season. And I took a little bit of heart in the fact that they did not jump on the Brian Burns trade to try to capitalize for the future. They're going nowhere invested now. And Brian Burns is a major part of that. Showed me, at least made me think, this team is committed to being a better football team in 2023. I think it also shows you they're committed to trying to win this year. Whether you want them or not, want them to or not, they're going to try this year. You know, we were finishing up our show this morning when all that stuff was breaking about the offers. And which, again, is why we put off recording this podcast for a little while to see if anything came come of it. But I never really thought that it would be Burns that went anywhere. Uh, I thought that maybe it could have been someone else. We had mentioned Shaq possibly going somewhere or someone like that. I, maybe uh, I had a 1% fear that Burns was going somewhere. But the fact that those offers were out there – you had to wait around and see. I think they made the best move keeping him. Um, first of all, the dude is an awesome player, and he's someone who's going to continue if he stays healthy to uh, to anchor this defense for years to come. The defense for the Panthers has a potential to be really, really good. Already good. Had a potential to be really, really good. You add a couple more like defensive linemen and a couple things like that. Um, so I'm not surprised he didn't move. But there were a couple other guys being mentioned that didn't go anywhere. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad they kept who they have. I, uh, by the way, I saw earlier today, and I found this very, very interesting, Lonzo. I was, you guys know, I, I, I creep the Carolina Panther Reddit message boards uh, and was doing so uh, yesterday evening before, obviously, the Brian Burns trade offer. But Again, as soon as even you and I in the studio, even when that name came up today, I was like, I will eat one of my paychecks if he gets traded. Um, I went to the Panthers Reddit message board and somebody put up a post that said, what do y'all want to do? What do you want the Panthers to do? And the two options on the board were tank or try to win or sneak into the wild card route, right? Try to win the division or sneak into the wild card round. There were Lonzo about uh 1080 votes cast. The vote was split almost exactly 50-50. 546 Panther fans 
voted to tank. 537 Panthers fans said try to sneak into the wild card with just a tick under 1,100 votes in the books. Panther Nation, based on a very unscientific, very inaccurate, and very questionable survey method, Panther Panther Nation is split directly down the middle about which direction this franchise should go for the remainder of the season. All right, the surprising part about that is that the Reddit guys and gals are the most loud, I I guess, uh, the most vocal, even though you can't really hear them, it's still vocal, um, of of all the fan base. And the fact that they're split right down the middle, I guess I'm not surprised by that. I I think maybe I thought uh, more people would lean on the side of tanking. Uh, so I, I guess I'm optimistic that that half of those people are are looking for the sunny day and looking for uh, looking for the wins over just uh, laying down and letting another team win. I uh, you know honestly I'm 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 not really surprised by that outcome right like I'm I'm not I, hell this this podcast is split whenever we bring it up on the show uh, the Rob Brown show we get a a split reaction there too like. I am not surprised that the the Reddit message board is split down the middle. I'm 0% surprised by that. I, I think that that is a very reasonable outcome, to be 100% honest with you. You're looking it, at... But is that is that good or bad? I don't know. I, I, I mean, is it good or bad that, that there's not a consensus on it? Um, I... I, I I don't know that you can answer that. I don't know that I, I don't know that anybody can answer that question. Uh, I also don't know that there is an answer to that, right? Like I think to some degree, it's a little bit uh, subjective. Like, is it good or bad that the fans can't fit? It would be bad Lonzo. If the team itself couldn't find a direction, right? Like, of course the fans are going to argue. That's why we have jobs. Of course, the fans are going to be uh, perhaps undecided to some degree. That's why we have jobs. It is not bad that half the fans want to tank and half the fans want to try to make a run and steal a bad division or sneak into a wild card spot. It would be bad if one day Scott Fitterer came out and said, yeah, we've just kind of embraced mediocrity, which obviously is never going to happen. It would be bad if, okay, let me phrase that. Instead of putting it in the public because they won't do that, it would be bad if Fitterer and the boys in the back office were like, all right, listen, let's use the rest of the year to play some of the young guys. Let's use the rest of the year to uh, try to get some young guys, some PT, some XP. Let's use this as evaluation time for us and figure out, you know, who's part of the next thing. And then, on Sunday, Steve Wilkes come out there and rip full throttle with the st- projected starters to try to win games. Uh, we ain't there. We ain't there. We, that, that did not happen until this week. And I'll tell you, I'm kind of past the point where I even want to give a prognostication about what version of the Panthers we are going to see against Cincinnati this Sunday because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we roll out every starter and they go full game. I don't know if there's a part where maybe we see some combo packages that utilize Shai Smith and Terrace Marshall Jr. more to see which one of those guys is going to be in what role next year. I don't know 
what the next few weeks worth of football look like for Carolina. And frankly, I don't think anybody outside of Steve Wilkes does, though. So, you know, we can throw all the Reddit message board polls and Twitter polls and this polls and that polls you want to throw out there. At the end of the day, I don't know what we look like on Sunday against Cincinnati. We'll break it down on the Friday pod and take some stabs at it. But I don't know which team we're going to end up looking at. I, all I know is I know the team that I saw in Cincinnati versus Cleveland, and I know what they're susceptible for, uh, too, rather, and I know what the Panthers do well. So there are two things, that, and, and you're right, we'll get into this more in the next pod, but the Panthers run the ball well, and the Panthers' defense can, uh, can get on that quarterback. The two things that are a problem with Cincinnati. And here's the thing. If you really, really wanted to tank – as the Panthers, the schedule kind of won't let you do it because the schedule is so bad, you're going to have a shot at winning probably 80% of the games you have left. Um, I, I, I think that you are – I think your optimism is creeping in a little bit there. All right? Uh, I I'm know not going to tell you to break down the schedule, but I can tell you still got to play Atlanta again. Should have won that game. Still got to play uh, the Bucks again. Already beat them. Still got to play New Orleans again. Already beat them. I mean, so that's that's three games right there. Playing Cincinnati, got a good shot at beating Cincinnati. Mm, if the Cincinnati, if the Cincinnati team shows up, that showed up against Cleveland, absolutely. Oh, this is a fight we're definitely going to have uh, in the next podcast for sure. Jamar Chase is out, and yes, Jamar Chase being out is obviously uh, not, not- be bad. A big loss for Cleveland or for Cincinnati. It is the biggest loss, but they have done a really good job at building around Joey B. And if anybody should know this, uh, doing this show, it's you, obviously. That Cincinnati-Cleveland rivalry is weird, man. Wicked weird. Like, it's a weird rivalry. Joey Burrow has been to a Super Bowl, but he's 0-6 against the Cleveland Browns. What? Joey Burrow went to a Super Bowl, but is 0-6 in the regular season against the Browns. That's just a weird number. Um, You know, this is a team that kind of found its mojo against New Orleans. And again, we're not going to do the Cincinnati breakdown here because we got the pod coming out on Friday. But uh, we're not going to be favorites. In fact, I'll even, while while we're sitting here bringing it up, I'll even take a look. Uh, at the line as it stands right now. I, in fact, all right, I all right. You know what? You know, while, while you're looking at that, I just want to point out I never said that the Panthers would be favorites. I said they could win 80% of the games they have left because the majority of the teams they have left are not that good. We are seven and a half point underdogs to Cincinnati. Um, wow. We got the Falcons. Now, the Falcons one's interesting because on November 10th, we got them coming to our house, coming to the bank. That is a Thursday night game. Remember, that's our alternate uniform night. That's the night we'll be blacked out with the black helmets and the black jerseys, the black pants. Uh, then we got the Ravens in Baltimore. That's an L. We got the Broncos coming to the house. That's an interesting one. Um, winnable game, yes. But did the Broncos find something against uh, Jacksonville this weekend? We'll find out. Uh, then we got the Seahawks. We won't be favored in that. Then we got the Steelers toss-up game. You better beat the Lions on Christmas Eve. Then you got the Bucks and the Saints again. And, you know, you mentioned that we've already beat them twice, and you are correct. But those are two teams that we will travel to 
in the end of the year, back-to-back away games, New Year's Day against Tampa, and then Jan 8 against Carolina. Um, hey, if the, if, if the Bucks lose this week, they're done. I mean, they, they are finished. They, they're packing it up, and they can't head to warmer climbs. They're already there, but they're, but they're packing it up and getting ready to go skiing or something. Um, well, that's, I mean, you live in warm weather. I I'm guessing you don't go to warmer weather. I don't know. I, 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 I'm just guessing there. There is no one that you mentioned in all those teams that are not beatable. There's no one, absolutely no one. I think the toughest team out of all of them is Cincinnati. Oh yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Uh, you know, Seattle's not, uh, Seattle's found a little something. That's a December 11th, uh, middle window slot at 425. Uh, the Steelers are beatable. The Lions are beatable. You know, again, I, I don't, I don't know about the Bucks and Saints. The worst, I think the worst case scenario for us, or maybe best case, who knows, is that the division stays clustered all the way until the end of the year and you catch a Bucks and Saints team. And, and heck, maybe us, who knows, we'll see. But you catch a buck and a Saints team, both of whom are neck and neck with each other for the divisional win, right? And you're going to get absolute, we've got to win this game to make the playoff effort from both of those teams. I don't know. It could be interesting. Either way, all the way back, Reddit poll 50-50 for Tank, 50-54, try to sneak in as a wild card or climb back in and win the division. Those of you listening to the pod, drop us a line on social at the Rob Brown Show at Lonzo on Word, and let us know which one you would prefer Carolina to try and pull off. All right, the views from Mint Street Podcast rolls on wherever major podcasts are found, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Apple iTunes, or full free on the Odyssey app. Make sure that you are subscribed to and download every episode of the Views from Industry podcast. Of course, the next episode will drop on Friday. And on Friday, we will do our weekend breakdown. On Friday, we will give you all our thoughts on that game versus Cincinnati this Sunday. Its importance, its value, et cetera, et cetera. And for those of you that have been listening every single week, we sincerely appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. A um, couple of little things that I wanted to get into, and, and I am going to start with this, Lonzo, uh, to the Carolina fans that have been banging on on the interwebs about DJ shouldn't have gotten flagged, that the, you know, we got job, that the penalty shouldn't have been called, et cetera, et cetera. Um, relax, because while... DJ was not on the green. The fact that he was standing on the end zone chalk was always going to get him flagged. And even if he did not get flagged, there were like three to four other Carolina Panthers that when DJ's helmet came off, their helmet came off as well. And they were very much in the end zone. So if they wouldn't have got DJ, they would have gotten one of the other three or four guys who took their helmet off in celebration with DJ. Um, it's kind of one of those things, though, where, yes, the loss stings. Yes, the loss hurts. But, like, we've kind of got to accept it and put it in the back pocket and get our attention focused 
on Sunday's game against Cincinnati. I don't know why it's bothered me as much as it has, but it has bothered me that there has been so much talk about we got jobbed, we got robbed. No, a mistake got made. Something dumb that shouldn't have happened happened, and it costs us a football game. Welcome to the National Football League. Yeah, I uh, I, I just finished earlier watching Steve Wilkes' press conference. Of course, they asked him about it, and he basically did the Belichick thing and said we're moving on from it. But he said we should have never been in that situation, which, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you pretty much said everything that uh, we've been saying, keep your helmet on. He said it without saying it. He also was asked uh, about Eddie Pinero, and he said, hey, Eddie's more upset than anybody that he didn't make those kicks. And uh, as far as he knew, he's not going anywhere. So, yeah, he got the uh, he got the vote of confidence that Eddie Panero and I, I I don't think Eddie Panero is going anywhere. Are both a for the reason that he does have the vaunted vote of confidence in the National Football League, but also because, as I mentioned a couple times, who else are you going to get? Right, like everybody else is claimed right now. There's really nobody to bring in. That would be an upgrade there. The dude missed a couple of kicks, one of them from 48. Yeah, the second one was much, much closer, but obviously at that point, he had the 48-yarder still locked up in the noggin. Um, You know, it's a mistake. You'd like to have a guy that's ice water that you can trust in that situation, but, man, every kicker misses a field goal, right? Every kicker misses a field goal. It's going to happen. We got to let that one go. Uh, All right. Second thing I wanted to bring up that was kind of minor, and then I've got a couple of players that I want to call out specifically and hand the kudos to by name. Uh, Second thing I wanted to bring up, I don't know if you've seen the clip, but I saw the clip, and I love the clip. When P.J. Walker dropped an absolute dime on D.J. Moore in the end zone, a throw which, by the way, Patrick Mahomes himself tweeted out was the throw of the year. Um, The first guy that ran out onto the field, the first guy that grabbed PJ Walker to celebrate with him was Baker Mayfield was Baker Mayfield who grabbed PJ and kissed him on the top of his helmet, gave him the old helmet pat a big old million-dollar smile across his face. Uh, I liked that. I like seeing Baker being the first guy to get out there to PJ and be the first guy to celebrate with PJ after the TD from the bench, though, for two reasons. Number one, it shows that Baker has not, as some folks speculated, that he might retreat it into his hard candy shell in order to separate himself because he's all up in his fifis about the fact that he got benched in his riding pine behind PJ. It showed that he is invested in the game, that he wants success, that he wants PJ to succeed. You know, a lot of guys are going to give you the speech when they get benched of, oh, you know, I got to do whatever's best for the team. I'm going to do whatever is best for my teammate. I'm going to do whatever's best for the program, yada, yada, yada. And then as soon as you go to the sideline, you see them kind of, cross arm leaned out on a Gatorade cooler, not mentioning any one particular Arizona Cardinal by name for no reason. Um, on the flip side, Baker looked like he was genuinely invested. He was genuinely there. He genuinely wanted to be a part of that moment. And if we go back to the question I asked on last week pod, which is, or I should say on Monday's pod, if PJ could have the resurgence he had against Tampa Bay, 
and have the resurgence he got he had against Atlanta. A resurgence, by the way, that has earned him yet another starting nod against Cincinnati this weekend. Is there any chance that under the post-Matt Rule regime change, maybe Baker could do the same and get back to the to, to being the Baker we traded for out of Cleveland? The fact, Lonzo, that he was so overly aggressive to get to PJ to celebrate with him led me to believe that there's still some fire in Baker Mayfield. And there's a part of me that's curious as to what he would look like if he ends up on the field. Oh, I'm definitely curious about that too. And uh, Steve Wilkes was asked about Baker in his press conference. And he talked about how proud he was about, about Baker doing what he talked about. And the fact that um, he wants to be out on the field, but he embraces any role that he's given with the kind of fire that you were talking about. He's running a scout team. And anytime they show Baker Mayfield on the sidelines, he's out there with an old-fashioned pen and some paper, and he's writing stuff down. I don't know. He could be doodling and, and drawing pictures. I don't think so. I think he's actually writing stuff down, trying to learn, trying to help PJ do the best he can. Um, the one thing I don't see – is I, I don't see P.J. getting benched. I think Wilkes is going to stick with him for a while. I kind of hope I'm I, – you know, if he gets benched, that means he's doing bad. So if he doesn't get benched, that means he did well the rest of the season and we won't know about Baker. Um, P.J. had a really uh, – not a really bad start, but a bad start. I mean, that interception he threw, that was – of course, they're trying to take blame off of him, but he threw it right too. The, the defensive guy who just jumped up in the air. That was an amazing play by the defensive guy. But still, um, if you were going to pull him, you could have pulled him early on in that first half. I think he'd have to do something really, really awful, like throw four picks in a quarter or something like that to get pulled. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any desire to pull P.J. Walker, right? Like, P.J. Walker had you in the game against the Rams. He won you the game against Tampa Bay. He damn near won you the game against Atlanta. It's the right move to stay with P.J. Walker. I've said that before everybody else, that sticking with P.J. is the right move in this scenario. Like I said, there's just there's don't, – don't, don't, don't hit the microphone while you're patting yourself on the back. I'm just saying. When I'm right, I'm right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, there is a, uh, there's a part of me that – is just curious, right? Like, because what I, what I don't want to do, what I don't want to do, Lonzo, is be in a situation where we uh, lose a close game to LA, beat Tampa, lose a close game to Atlanta, lose a close game to Cincinnati. You know, like we, we win five or six games, which cost us a top four or five draft pick, but we don't win enough games to be in contention for an eight or nine win division when we might could be only then to let's say with like three weeks left in the season, make the switch to Baker due to injury or performance and that Baker come out and just tear it up the last three weeks of the game uh, season and wonder what happened, like what might've been right. So there's a part of me that's just curious to see what Baker Mayfield would bring to the field now that Matt Rule is gone, considering the growth we've seen out of P.J. Walker, would we see the same thing out of Baker? Uh, a couple of other things I wanted to get into. And, 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 you know, Lonzo and I, 
both got a thing for offensive linemen, right? We we both think that the boys in the trenches deserve more love than they get from anybody, anywhere, anytime. And I think we've got to talk about Iki Aquano here since week two. Remember, he got lit up in week one back against Cleveland, against arguably one of the best pass rushes in the National Football League. And we talked about growing pains and will Icky be able to crawl out of that hole? How about this since week two, Lonzo? 210 pass blocking snaps for Icky Aquanwu. How many sacks has he surrendered so far, Lonzo? Seto, not a one. Icky Aquanwu has had the best pass blocking grade of any tackle in the National Football League over the past six weeks. My dude, I am sorry for any doubt I may have cast upon thee back in the beginning of the season. I apologize for anything I may have said that led you to believe you weren't going to be the star you have blossomed into. Uh, I said earlier in the week, we have quietly built ourselves one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League. And while there are some vets on that line, Lonzo Ikiakuanu has been the anchor. 210 pass blocking snaps, not a sack allowed. Dude is mwah, in fuego right now. It's not a flashy position. It's not a. It's not a receiver. It's not a running back. It's not. It's not something like that. And it's a shame because as well as he's playing, he should be uh, in line to get rookie of the year. But you know that's never going to happen with an offensive lineman. And it's a shame with how well he's playing. I think he would be in the conversation if there ever were to be a lineman in that conversation. I think he's right there this year. I'll tell you right now, Icky is working on a nomination to the Pro Bowl as a uh, as a as a freshman, as a rook, right? Like he's working on that nomination, uh, without a doubt. I, I've always compared uh, offensive linemen to like roadies for your favorite rock and roll band, right? Like we we all go to concerts, we love a good rock band, and there's that moment of excitement when the lights go out and the lasers and the smoke start up, and then the curtain drops. And the guitarist hits that first, and everybody's going crazy, and the hands are up, and everybody's ready to rock and roll and party. And then if you look at a concert venue uh, down to the sides of the stage and, and, and at a table that's out in the middle of the crowd, there's like 15, 20 dudes, though, that are sitting on the side of the stage, and they are, you know, cranking with, with wrenches and gears and whatever, and they're doing all this stuff. The rock stars get all the credit. Their names go on the marquee. Their faces go on the poster. Uh, they get the tour bus. Not a single guitarist would be known, though, if it wasn't for roadies and techs and sound engineers, a.k.a. the offensive linemen of rock and roll. Uh, Icky has been an incredible roadie for P.J. Walker the past couple of weeks and an incredible roadie for the Panthers as a whole over the past six weeks, and dude deserves his moment in the sun. All right, so I hate to fight with you over analogies, but I've got to in this case 
linemen are drummers. They're not, they're, they're not the roadies. They're not, I mean, you take the drummer away. What do you get? You get an acoustic set. How exciting is that? Yeah. It's fun to listen to, but it's not exciting. You throw that drummer in there, the drummer is carrying everything. So I, I just gotta, I believe that you're wrong. I believe offensive linemen are drummers. The only thing we've disagreed on is what fake position in our fake rock band, the offensive linemen are. We can live with that. One more guy I wanted to shout out. How about once again? Like I kind of, I, I'm looking for other guys to give love to. I'm looking for other guys to talk about. I'm looking for other guys to slap helmet stickers on for. But these guys have been stars. J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn gave up one catch for negative one yards. The kid's a stud, Lonzo. The kid's an absolute stud. He's an absolute star. We have been talking about looking for the guys that are going to be the foundation moving forward. On defense, we can talk Brian Burns and should. The guy's very good. But whatever discussion you're having about Brian Burns, J.C. Horn better be the next name out your mouth. Yeah, I, I think you got to think of him as a rookie, don't you? Because he went out after a couple games in the first season, and he's been injured all that time, and he's just now back. I consider him a rookie doing what he's doing. Think if he stays healthy how good he's going to be five years from now. You're going to forget the names of Revis and, and, and his island and some guys like that. I'm not putting him on prime level yet, but uh, he's pretty good for a guy who's only – hasn't even played a full season yet yeah yeah i mean he's been dinged up this season too right like you nailed it keep the kid healthy but man when he's healthy he is an absolute star ladies and gentlemen all right next episode drops on friday you got any final words for the people before we call it a day lonzo i'm uh, you know i'm excited i'm optimistic and uh bright things are ahead and we're gonna beat cincinnati keep pounding All right, we're going to break that game down in its entirety coming up on Friday's pod. Again, if you have not liked and subscribed, the Views from Industry podcast is available on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Apple iTunes, on Google Play, or for free on your digital devices on the Odyssey app. Grab it there, click the little heart icon, and get notifications when we drop a new episode. The next one will drop coming up on Friday. For Friday. My name is Rob Brown. He is the great one, Lonzo Reitzel, and we will see you back here on Friday for the next episode of Views from Mid Street. Keep pounding, baby. <laughs>